So other than that, I'm done with announcements. Will you guys please welcome Scott as he comes up to share about the power of story. Good job. Hi, everybody. My name is Scott. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and recovery from alcohol and drugs. It's great to see you. I love that we're inside again personally. Uh, great worship, Jesus and team. Thank you so much. And it's just great to see a full room and each of you here tonight. Let me pray. Lord, this is all about you, one way or the other. And uh, tonight's message is, is a really important one. It's just an essential part of our recovery. And it's foundational uh, to the program we're all a part of. So would you impart your wisdom, your truth to each person who hears tonight that they would uh, find and be willing to share their story. There is power in the story. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we end our uh, five-week series on the five words that best identify our ministry here at Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery. And these key words uh, describe and create the culture that uh, has resulted in so many people being attracted to and being saved here and ultimately being transformed and healed here as individuals in a family. All of these words are born out of Jesus and his love for us and what we do here. Over the last two months, we've looked at the first four. If you weren't here, you can hear these messages online. I encourage you. It's, it's really powerful to think about why so many people come here. But those words were authenticity, grace, safety, and process. So those are the lessons we've covered in the last four sessions. But tonight, we look at the last word with all its importance. This word is the fruit of any person who remains for any time in our culture of authenticity and grace and safety and process. And this fruit will be that you find and share your story. And that is the, the key fifth word of Big Valley Grace Celebrate Recovery, story. You know, I get asked a lot uh, in my role over 17 years why this ministry has prospered like it has why we have helped birth over 50 other Celebrate Recoveries all over this state and now internationally in India and Nepal. <laughs> Truly. Certainly it's not the norm for a Celebrate Recovery to have this size and this breadth and this depth of influence. So, so what has God done here? So what I tell people when they ask is, it's you. It's the people that God has brought here over 17 years, who have found Jesus, found the process, found the authenticity, found the grace, and then could not keep their story to themselves of what happened in their lives. That's why this ministry has prospered right there. All of these key words in each of you, would you give yourselves a hand? You deserve it, thank you. It's not about Scott and I. As Rick Warren says, he, as a senior pastor, and in this case, Scott and I, as the paid staff, we're only the paid salesman. You're the satisfied customer, and that is what sells. So, thank you again. So, here's the main takeaway I hope each of you will take with you tonight when you leave. For any of us who've met Jesus, he's given us a story that is humble and honest and that glorifies him. He's given us a story that is humble and honest and that glorifies him. Please understand that this is a really passionate 
lesson for me because my story is that one of the first things I ever heard God say, there was another thing he said before this, but it was this, I heard it out loud and you can't explain when you learn God's voice and you hear certain things he says into your life. But one of the first things he ever said to me many years ago was, Scott, tell your story. Whenever I give you the opportunity, tell your story. And, and it's humble and honest and it glorifies him. I now know why. Because my story's real, and it couldn't be of me that this happened or this happened. So, Rick Warren says that he believes Celebrate Recovery is the greatest example of the church in action in America and now the world today. Well, why would he say that? Well, one of the key reasons is this lesson tonight. It's the stories that are being produced all over the world, certainly at Saddleback, here at Big Valley, at all the churches that are represented here who do celebrate recovery, it is the church in action, and that's the message tonight for you to tell your story, to find your story. And we agree with Eugene Peterson, who said, every time our story is told well, the gospel has been served. And, and we're here all about the gospel. So... As with anything we believe here, it has to be backed up by his word, so that's going to be what I do for the rest of tonight, but I'm going to bring to light through this, the, the word of God why this is so true for each of you and for me, that we have a story and he wants us to tell it. It's humble and honest and it'll always glorify him. First, let's look at Ephesians 2 that tells us, this isn't on the screen, that by grace we have been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not through our works, so that no one can boast. The famous salvation verse that brings everybody to the Lord through grace and faith alone. But the very next verse says this. It says, um, for we, why did he save us? For we, for, here's the reason, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So clearly the reason he saved us and doesn't just take us straight to heaven is he left us here to do good works that he planned before he ever created us, before he breathed the universe into existence. So tonight I just want to suggest, whoa, what are those good works? Let's keep it simple. This is a simple program. Let's start with the basics that if you tell your story, the rest will begin to unfold. That's my story. And you'll hear that in a minute. So it's important, I think, to note that the, the Greek word, his workmanship, is poema. It's poem. You are God's poem. And, and I can tell you for a fact, no matter how you feel tonight, there's no more beautiful poem than you that God created as he designed you before the creation of the world. And, and that is... Whether we feel it or not, you are a beautiful story of God. And um, he saves you for good works so that he can make that poem become a beautiful poem. And you're going to hear tonight, when I, my poem before Christ was dark and ugly and tragedy and melancholy and depressed. And then Christ came into my world and the poem began to unfold as a beautiful love story. A beautiful story of the God who saved me and had a plan for my life. And that's the story that each of you will find here through the authenticity and the safety and the grace and the process that exists in these rooms together. So, um, let's go to his word. You know, Jesus said this in John 8, 15, and that's not going to be on the screen either. He described himself as the light of the world. 
okay? And, and if we know him, that's one of the ways we know him. He's a light to us. But we got to shift to a, a verse that applies to us in the exact identical way in Matthew 5, 14 uh, through, or uh, 14 through something, it's up there. But let, before we read the scripture, I, I want to uh, um, do a little background on this scripture. Because this scripture is out of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we've probably all heard that term, but without a doubt, if you look at Jesus' life, this was the greatest sermon he ever gave. Uh, if you want to hear a great sermon, go to and read Matthew 5 through 7, where you find the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins it with these eight verses that are called the Beatitudes. Now, if you do uh, Webster's what does beatitude mean, it's very interesting, pretty curious that, that the first description is its words Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount. That's a description of a beatitude. It also means an inexpressible joy happiness that is born out of those eight scriptures. Now, it's really important to note that these eight scriptures called the Beatitudes are very important to the 12 steps and celebrate recovery. Why? Because these are the principles of the 12 steps that celebrate recovery practices and shares at most CRs all over the world. And they are the 12 steps in eight principles in the exact order that we practice them here. So pretty significant, this part of the Sermon on the Mount, but these verses I'm going to read next are the first application you're going to read of how what these verses, the Beatitudes, should produce in your life. The Beatitudes are principles. And then it says, here's what should happen in your life from the principles. And it says this, you are now the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give its light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So I'm suggesting to you tonight, that means a lot of things, but it, just start here in recovery with learning and sharing your story, because that's where it all begins, and that's where the rest of your purpose and meaning will all unfold out of. So let me cut to the chase by just saying and telling you your story once you find it, at least if it's like me, you will not be able to stop telling it because it just becomes who you are. And it's so exciting. It is your light. And Jesus, who is the light of the world, then makes you become the light of the world. And you want to tell people about your story and what he's meant in your life. And once you find him and meet him, your creator, then your poem has begun to be rewritten. And it's from darkness to light. So let me go on to John 3 that tells us that this specific change in your poem that is a key part to me of how this recovery process speaks into my life and the difference it made in meeting Jesus and what I now share. So John 3 really tells the truth about each one of us and I'll certainly say it tells my truth and the result of his work in us. Jesus himself said a lot of things that were, and they were all true, but there's only one time he said these words. This is the verdict. The gavel has fallen. Let me tell you that this is the verdict about humanity right here in a broad brush. And he says this. Light, meaning him, has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and refuses to come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. That's the before me, that's the story right there. You'll hear it in a minute. But once we met Jesus and we are now the light, it says this, what is our story? Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done through God. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. We say that in recovery. Suddenly, our darkness is now light, and we begin to tell the world. So most of you know me and my story. You may get sick of it. But for those of you who don't, let me encourage you by telling you my, my testimony and the comparisons of my story. I remember it well. It was still like yesterday, 29 years ago, the first month of my sobriety, December 1990. I was low. I was dark still living under the verdict of darkness that had been building for 38 years of lying and cheating and stealing and using. And suddenly the light was revealed as my covers were pulled and I was arrested and I hated life. I was in deep misery, still blaming the world for all of my bad choices of living in darkness. That's the crazy of the addictive mind. I was in deep misery, still blaming everything and I was still struggling multiple times a day with this innate compulsion to use again. And and intense fear because of this and anxiety drove my existence. I was depressed as I had ever been in my life and I struggled just to get out of bed to meet the court's demand that I go to a meeting every day. I was hopeless because I was living in darkness. I had no hope. I would get myself to meetings because I had no choice and I would listen to people tell stories of hope but I could not place any relevance whatsoever towards what was happening in my life at the given time. In fact, I was very angry at everybody in those rooms. I was angry at life. But hear me, friends, I remember it so well, it still hurts. And it's good to remember the hurt because I don't want to ever go back there. But I could. And, and that's, but then as I kept coming back and I got a sponsor and was introduced to this spiritual program of action that is the steps of recovery... It would be four years later, I walked through the doors of this church and sitting right back there, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. And I was spiritually awakened. (laughs) All glory to him. Certainly, that's my story. It's humble and honest, and it's all glory to him. And without that salvation, I didn't have the spiritual awakening as a result of these steps that allowed me to carry any story or message to others that was any use to him at all. But he knew he needed to do that for me. And suddenly I was spiritually alive in a way I never knew. And and my family could tell you the story. I was on fire. I didn't know anything, but I knew I knew Jesus. And I knew I was an atheistic drug addict who now knew Jesus. And I started going, only thing I knew about my story at that point was I started saying, I know Jesus, help me. I don't know what this even means. And that's how I got involved at Big Valley Grace. I joined the choir. I got involved. My wife went to work here. And my family would tell you, I couldn't wait to come to church because the Word of God was feeding me and growing me. And and I couldn't get enough of it because it was such a crazy time in my stinking life. But I still had a secret. This church didn't know I was an atheistic drug addict. My sponsor and my fellowships in the AA rooms did. But it was a secret, and God had a plan. He knew I had to have, because two years after this, I got called into an office, and they say, we want you to interview to be a pastor. So what was the first thing in my mind? You don't want me. (laughs) If I tell you my story, you're going to kick me out of the church, much less hire me. 
So, but I knew I wasn't going to bring that secret into being on staff. So they said, you got to interview for the job. I like interviews. I'm weird. So I said, I'll interview for the stinking job. And in that interview, I told him the truth. I told him my deepest, darkest secret. Do you know I was an, I've been an atheist and that I'm a drug addict? And they either were not listening or they did not care because they hired me. <laughs> that was 24 years ago. The rest is history. I'm not going to take your time. I'd love to tell you the rest, but it's miraculous. I mean, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. I couldn't have dreamed it up in a million years. So that's my story. And what did I just share? In recovery, we keep it simple. I shared my experience, strength, and hope. And we're going to look at those three things and what they mean in your life so you can find your story tonight. How do we do this? Well, let me read straight out of the instruction manual for the 12 steps, the big book of, of uh, AA. It says this, our stories disclose, disclose in a general way what we were like, what happened, and what we're like now. Our stories disclose in a general way every time we're in a room of recovery or sharing our story, what we were like, what happened, and what we're like now. That's what we share. If you get, how do you write your testimony? You'll see it's that. What you were like, what happened, and what you're like now. That's how we write our testimony, and we write our testimonies because we've shared it in the rooms of recovery for so long, we now know our story, and we want to go public to hundreds from up front so that God will receive the glory from our humble, honest story. And so let's look at those three things we share real quick. First, our experience. It's our story, and it shouldn't be that hard. What were you like before recovery and before you met Jesus and walked into the light? It's not pretty, guys. Now, it may not be, or it may be. <laughs> this is the beauty of stories. We all have one. And some of you may go, well, my story's so much worse than yours, Pastor. I could never tell. Yes, yeah, some of you have a worse story. Others of you are sitting there going, I don't have a story anything like yours. I go, yes, you do. We all have a story of our before Christ. We're all, there's no temptation that isn't common to man. We all have struggles. We all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups that control us. And, and chains that we need a change breaker for, as, as uh, we were told tonight. But we share, just like I did, the before story. This is what my darkness looked like before I walked into the light, before I met the light, before I became the light. This is the before. So if you're sitting here saying, no way I'll ever do that, and I'm sure some of you are, I mean, we know, we know, but, or maybe you're saying, I don't have a story, then we speak the truth to you every week when we say, keep coming back. Don't give up. You stay here in the authenticity and the grace and, and the safety and the process, you'll find your story and it'll be the most important thing you ever find. Because as you start to share your story, God's gonna open up your purpose and your meaning to you. And you'll find the path of your life out of your story. And if it's kept in the darkness, you're, you're never gonna find it. Because you're, you know, we're not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power unto salvation for all who would believe. And we got to tell our stories if we're followers of Christ. So, um, I don't know why I want to share this story, but it's a neat story. I won't share it. Um, <laughs> time's, time's up. Well, here, you know, I, you say you don't have a story, and this isn't a perfect application of tonight's lesson, and that's why I pause about saying it, but it's stuck with me ever since I heard it. 
You know, I heard in a, in a meeting once a person share, and this person looked like me. They looked like they had their life together. They definitely were, were better than they were when they were in the darkness. And when I was in the darkness, you could see that. And they shared, I, and I wouldn't have known this looking at them, but they shared, you know, I once was homeless, and I used to eat out of dumpsters. And I didn't think I had anything to give or to share with anybody until my sponsor said, well, you could at least go out there with the other homeless and tell them how to find better food in what dumpsters are better than the ones you know have the bad food. And that stuck with me because we all have something to share. There's always somebody around you, no matter what your circumstances, who can use what you know and what you can benefit them through. And that's what recovery does. It gives you something to share with people that will benefit them. And, and, and so this person, they had a story that I know this dumpster's better than that one. And they started to give it away. And today you wouldn't recognize a person that he was, they were ever homeless. So, um, so we share our experience. We share our strength. This is the easy one. Uh, really, because the Bible says over and over again, it's repeating, just like the Lord's love is everlasting, repeated. The Lord is our strength, is repeated over and over again. So for us, we spare our experience, what happened, we met our strength, and we talk about our God. And, and we tell people it is our God that, that changed everything for us. And the big book puts it this way and how it works. It basically says we all battle alcohol, but let me just put that we all battle sin. You, if you're not an alcoholic, you battle sin. And it's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And, and without help, it's too much for us. And, and sin is way too much for you. The demons are way smarter than you. And they take you down, and we all know it. But there is one that has all power. And that one is God. May you find him now. Yeah. This program of recovery, there is only one place we find our strength, and that is God. I don't care what A-N-A-S-A-T-A, -A -A, you name it, I don't know the group, but they all say the only place you're ever going to find change is God. And it's, I'll just say this, people argue that it's not, I shouldn't get off on that, but, but it's, it's our God, because it's a capital O, and it's one God. So there's only three faiths that say there's only one God, and there's only one face that gives you the spiritual awakening that Bill W. had, and that's Christ. And so this program is all about Christ. There's no other power. Sorry. Just speaking the truth. First Peter encourages as well. He says, the Lord says through Peter, always be prepared to give an account to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. That's the last thing we share, our hope. So we're called. We, it's not a choice. We have to always give reason for the, the experience and the strength we have. And as we share our hope, where did we get it? One place, Jesus Christ. Apart from him, I can do nothing, nothing. And always do it with gentleness and respect. I love the Word of God. Don't pound people over the head with the Bible. I had a couple come into my office counseling. The guy wasn't a believer. And he was shaken. And I told him my story. And I said, you got any questions? And he said, I feel so much better. <laughs> I thought you were going to hit me over the head with the Bible. True story. Our story sells. Our story sells. It gave him hope. 
that, that Jesus can really change somebody. So not only is our strength in Jesus, but also our hope is in Jesus. And let me cut to the chase. In the world, people need to hear practical hope. They don't want to hear the stories of heaven. They just want to say, can I have a better life? Please, can you tell me that's possible? And we share that. Clearly, that's part of our story and our hope that we share. We all want blessings. The entry level for recovery is a desire to change. And if you're here tonight and you know you really don't want to change anything, then the program says, go your way. We love you. We'll be here ready when you come back. But it says, if you can go out and it's working for you, our hats are off to you. It says, go, do whatever you think you can do that's working. But if you decide you want to change, come back because we're the place through authenticity and grace and process and safety, you'll find a story that it really can be true for you. So what do we share in the early days? We share practical hope, not fantasies. And um, what are the blessings we we share? I mean, these are universal. These are, are shared at every AA meeting worldwide, thousands of times a day. They're called the promises. We have a saying around here, don't quit until the miracle happens. Most people do, just saying. That's their loss. But, but if you stick with it and you work the program painstakingly, before you're halfway through with this painstaking night step, you'll become to know the miracles. And we, we share these at every meeting. We don't do it around here. I wish we did, but, but I can't make that happen. But we, why do we share those miracles? Because they're hope. Their hope of real practical things that every human being wants. So let me go through them and listen to these because these are the promises. Condensed. Freedom. Happiness. You don't regress the past anymore. Serenity. Peace. You actually become a benefit to people instead of a scourge. Self-pity disappears. You actually become unselfish. You find a new attitude, an outlook on life. You become secure with what you have that rather than wanting more, you actually become wise. You intuitively know how to handle situations that you baffle you. Now, if you're sitting here, you're going, no way. That's what I used to think. And the book's so awesome and what they read every time is so awesome. I didn't believe it for years. It didn't sink through this hard skull. But it then says, are these extravagant promises? You're sitting there going, yeah, you kidding me? I don't have any of those. I didn't either at one time. I didn't. And so it says right ahead, are these extravagant promises? Amen. We think not. We have an extravagant God that this program leads us to. And these are the promises people need to hear that each of us should at least have some level of experience, strength, and hope in finding. And certainly, it's found in the ninth step. And if you haven't done it, and you don't have it, then okay. But let me take it to a whole new level as I close. Um, All these promises, as great as they are, fade away into nothingness when compared to the final hope we have as followers of Christ And so what is our greatest need? What is the number one need of every human being? The greatest fear any of us have is death. You go, I don't think that much of death. Well, you will. You will. You will die. And the older you get, the more you realize it. And and sooner or later, you're going to face that greatest fear one way or another. And, And 
And somebody very wise early in my walk told me this and it stuck with me ever since because I want, I want the blessings. I'm selfish at my core, just as you are, but let me just keep my own story. And, and, and I want the blessings. And he, he said, you know, no one ever truly begins to live until they know what happens to them when they die. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, which I'm resting in all the time, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, everything is meaningless. A hundred years from now, he says it clears a bell. Even your family won't remember you existed. I'm not trying to be morbid or, or, or melancholy even. It's just the truth. And, and so you can live in this world and face and avoid the reality that you're going to die in a million ways. America is the number one country in the world for ways to avoid that truth. But you'll never really learn to live until you know what happens to you when you die. And that's the hope above all hopes because everything else is temporary. Everything else is a vapor. It will burn up as hay, wood, and stubble, except for that hope. And if you're here tonight, and when I talk about death and the hope of eternal life, you feel a tugging in you because you're still wrestling. You're still going, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. Look at the way I live my life. I came in here because my life is a wreck. God wouldn't have me. I've messed it all up. Whatever you're thinking, let me tell you the truth tonight. You can meet Jesus right here, right now, just like I did, sitting right back there. And it's that simple, because all I felt was the tugging you're feeling right now, going, I know I need what this guy's selling. I don't have it. I don't have the peace. I don't have the serenity. I don't have the hope of what's going to happen to me when I die. So if that's you tonight, let me end. Let's just pray and bow our heads. Lord, life is short, and you... You give us a story, and I mean, why in the world, if we're going to heaven when we die, wouldn't, wouldn't you save us and just take us? Because this, this world, it's hard. But you, you leave us here so that we can share hope, experience, strength, and hope, uh, and, and uh, tell people what it was like and what happened, and it was meeting you and what it's like now. And Lord, in a room this size, there's got to be people who, who are wrestling with why or what or how they would get to heaven when they die. So if you're here tonight and you're hearing that and you know your spirit is just kind of turning inside of you and you're feeling this inner tug, God put eternity in our hearts, the Bible says. And that's, that's the reality you're facing right now. And so if you know you need that gift, that ultimate hope, the most important question answered, just say the simple prayer. Say, God, I, I don't understand you, but I know I want what, what this man up there is telling me. I know I need it. I don't have the answers for eternal life. And tonight I heard you do. So Jesus, you are the way, the truth, the life. That's what you said. Would you come into my life right now? Forgive me for my mistakes, both past, present, and future. Wipe me clean so that when I die, God will accept me. When I breathe my last breath, I'm asking you, and, and I will say this, I don't know you very well, but I'm hoping you'll help me live a better life because what I've been doing isn't working. That's why I showed up here tonight. And I'm gonna thank you, Jesus. Amen. So keep your eyes closed, please. It's, it's safe. If, if you prayed that prayer, just give me and God a high five. Would you put your hand up? I see you, I see you, I see three or four back there. I see one over here. 
Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Okay, there's a bunch of you. Would you give them a hand? They need some encouragement. (laughs) What you did was real. The Satan will try to steal it as sure as we're sitting here. You've got to talk to other people like me. You've got to go to the rooms where you hear this experience, strength, and hope every day that will encourage you that it's real, this God is real. So I want to encourage you to maybe call me. Nothing would be a greater privilege to me than have you ring my phone and say, I prayed that prayer last night or the night before. I just, just wanted to tell somebody I'm kind of bursting. Maybe my first story I ever told about my strength, who's now Jesus. But tell somebody, please. Some of you live with other people up there. Tell them I prayed that prayer. I'm saved. Going to heaven when I die. Hallelujah. So, and folks, as you go to the rooms tonight, remember, keep it simple. It's a simple program. All of us who've met the light come into the light so that it may be seen plainly what has been done for us has been done through God, not by our own power. Tonight and for the rest of your life, tell your story. It is the story of Jesus. It will always be humble and honest. You will learn to love it more every time you tell it. It will glorify him and you will begin to watch your purpose and meaning unfold out of your story. God is good. Let's stand and say the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. First time guests right through those doors. See you back in an hour.